Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast. I am your host, Edwin Adams, and today I have Chase Coleman on the show. Now, some of you probably recognize that name. We know him really well here in Louisiana. He's a hometown hero uh, out on the West Coast. He is an actor, a director, a musician. Uh, You probably recognize him if you're a fan of the HBO series Boardwalk Empire. And if you are a fan of werewolves, you probably recognize him as the werewolf on the CW spinoff series, The Originals. So I'm excited to have a conversation with Chase about all of the transformational moments that have allowed him to reach this level of success in his professional career on the West Coast. So without further ado, let's get on to the show with Chase Coleman. Oh, man. Thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a long time since we sat across a table at Johnny's Pizza. And I I was just telling I was just telling my girlfriend Taylor that the other day. I was like, you know, I think the last time I hung out with Edwin was when we had Johnny's Pizza. One of the like long time ago when I was still living in New York, early New York days, I think. That was and into the Rose Garden we were talking the about. The Rose Garden, yes, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, that's that's Garden. crazy that it's been yeah. that long, and and since that time you've you've just continued to make your hometown proud, man. So kudos to you. Thank you very much. So Chase, this is a show about transformations. My my intention for the show is to try to pull out the principles of transformation that lead to success. So the only way I can find that is through people's stories. So it's a show about people telling their stories. And then I just get insatiably curious about those pivotal moments where you went from here to here and how you did that. So it's a lot of how, why, and what type questions all from your story. So whether you do that in the context of music, acting, fitness, whatever you, whatever stories you want to tell, I'm interested yeah. in. Oh no, you know, here, how about I just, it's funny. Cause everybody, everybody always asks a question, you know, you know, there, there is a story. There's always a story and there is a certain story I've always told, but excitedly, you just gave me permission to really just have that or, and I'm going to really just let loose on this story. And I think you're going to remember a lot of it, funny enough, because you were there in the very, very beginning where I'm going to start. So, I mean, it starts, I actually started in music first. I mean, I started singing just free, free, whatever on the beach with my friend, Carolyn Scalfano. You know, we were, I don't know if you know that name. Do you remember the Scalfanos? Julie Scalfano? I do remember the Scalfanos. Okay, Scalfanos. That's so funny. God, I haven't seen or talked to her since high school, you know, and it's funny because we were best friends in high school and she was the one who encouraged me to sing. And I remember us being on the beach. We were in Destin, Florida. We had gone to the beach and we were with my, you know, my mom, my dad, my sister and her friend or whatever. She had the guitar and I was there singing. I didn't even play a lot of guitar at that point. In fact, I sang before guitar. She was playing the guitar and I remember being envious of her playing the guitar, funny enough. So that kind of motivated me to start learning guitar because that experience then I, she was, you know, we were playing a song Three Libras by a Perfect Circle, one of my favorite songs. And so, I, you know, she was playing it and she just said, you know, sing, sing. And I'm just like, uh, okay, you know, and it's just, and then it just, I remember very specifically, that's really where the first moment, I guess, of any form of entertainment attachment, because, you know, the industry of entertainment, acting and music, at least that's where I'm most involved, I feel. And so, that was the first time in my life I recognized being okay. Okay. And so then I went with the singing and that's when I got involved with my first band in high school. So I played with the first band in high school for a while, Brandon Clifton, you know, Jeff Spencer, Craig Just, Mark Sisk. Oh, I hadn't even said these names in a while. And so, you know, these are guys, you know, we were high school and stuff, certain other high schools like Sterlington, you know, and West Monroe, you know, certain people went to different and so anyways, we played and we did little concerts and parties and stuff. And throughout time, you know, I, I got a little better and a little better. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of like, I, this is something maybe I, could I do this? You know, but it wasn't until I think I went through college that I went a few, through a few couple of other bands. And eventually there was a point in college where I was still playing music. And I finally got to a point where there was, you know, frustration within the band people weren't wanting to pay for the rent space people were showing up drunk people people just weren't taking it seriously and I was taking it seriously 
on top of, you know, I was in college at ULM there. I was studying business marketing there at uh, an administration there at ULM, you know, I'm doing this band thing. And I kind of had started forming a plan in my mind was, I was like, you know, what I'm going to do is I'll get a major in marketing. I'll move to Austin, Texas. I'll get a marketing job. I'll work theater and try to audition and do TV and film there. Then I'll shift my way to LA eventually. You know, I had this whole kind of thing back then. And none of that happened. <laughs> none of that happened. So at the end of my music portion of that part of my life, I decided, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a break with music for a while and I'm going to try acting. I want to try acting. Because before that, you know, I dabbled. I'd done like the talent shows. I'd done the whole, you know, the whole Scottish speech shit I used to do back in the day. The William Wallace that. stuff. I remember that. That was See, good that stuff, was, man. That was the beginning of the acting, the William Wallace speeches. And so, you know, that was part of the other form of entertainment acting that made me want to be like, I feel like there's something there. Now, there was a pull. There's a pull. And so then I went to the Strauss Theater. And that's when I did, you know, Little Shop of Horrors. You know, and then I did, uh, you know, My Three Angels and Aida and Sweet Charity, you know, and I did all, started doing all these plays and I didn't know anything about musicals and stuff. That was my first, you know, piece of exposure. So that was, it, it was, in, it was quite, what's the word, fulfilling. It was very fulfilling to me because I think that was where I was really discovering the, the art of things, that how much I was enjoying the performance and the art. And, and so that's when I was like, I want to do this. And so not, not long after that, I think I did about a year and a half, two years in the theater there, stage 2000, the agency based out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, they were at the Conlan Mall. I was at home, my mom, Miss Renee, she gave me a call and she was like, hey, you know, there's, I was literally at home doing some monotonous homework, trig, trig, calculus, whatever the hell I was having to do. And I remember her calling and being like, you know, hey, there's a, there's an agency because she knew and I'm thinking about how oh, I'm going to maybe move to New York or, or Austin, not really New York. Like that was such a, that was a monster. I'd never been to New York. I'd never been to LA. I'd never been to Europe. I'd never been, I think the furthest, I mean, we hadn't been far, like the Southern belt really is kind of where I'd been. We had flown, you know, to Mexico and stuff, but nothing to like in the U S. So basically then, you know, she, said, you know, come them all. And I, and I was like, okay, let, let's go. It's like, you know, there's an agency, they're scouting models, agents, or, and they're scouting models and actors and et cetera. And not, not anything about music, but I was like, wow, this is like, okay, then this is an opportunity. Literally went in my puka shell necklace, cargo shorts, tank top, sandals. I almost want to wear them right now. That's funny. And we basically, and I basically went there and I walked up and I'm just like, you know, hey, I want to, I want to be an actor. And they're like, you know, great, you know, want to do anything else? And oh, fitness mind, whatever. And so that's, that then began the first step of a professional, any way of a professional way. Because I remember being absolutely oblivious to, to what it entailed to, to even be, be involved in a film. No idea, you know, I don't know, no education. I never had anyone to tell me about it or teach me about it classes didn't exist there's no that doesn't exist in our town in Monroe you know what I'm saying like not really you know that the whole Shreveport filming thing started happening I guess around my college days I remember that all started heating up New Orleans and all that that also was what you know and I remember I went down with my mom not long after the time I'm talking about we met with stage 2000 I did and then I started working with stage 2000 and we did two workshops and they educated you on the business so that's where I started figuring out, okay, you know, at least what their input was, their take was, uh, the boutique agency, say 2000. But anyways, um, I then, not long after that, worked with them for about a year and was invited to go, invited, quote unquote, encouraged to go to the Mike Beatty Dallas Expo. Mike Beatty Dallas Exposition, and that's where models, actors, musicians, people would go. And all the agents and managers from all over the world would go to scout new talent. There's a lot of these expos. They do them everywhere. But this was the one that stage 2000, you know, they were partners. You know, this is what they do. They get in new clients. They, they, feed, they feed them in. And the whole idea is, you know, they make money, but also the people get exposure and opportunities because this is what opened the gateway for me. 
And it cost us like a few grand, I think. And my mom was there to help. And she was, you know, my, in fact, jumping ahead a little bit, I had to stop saying this, but I used to actually say that my mom, oh, this is my mom. Yeah, she's basically my manager. You know what I mean? Like it was a joke for us. My mom loved it. But then Ron Randell, you know, the Sage 2000 chairman had to tell me, you got to stop saying that because now you're meeting real managers and you don't want to, you don't want to be saying your manager is your mom because that's a real thing. You know what I'm saying? And so funny enough, I had to learn. I was, oh, you're, that's, that's true. And, you know, eventually I was like, okay, your mom's not actually my manager. She's just a badass mom. You know what I mean? And so anyways, we went, I went to the Mike Beatty Dallas Expo. So, you know, and under my belt now, I was like, okay, so I want to act. And acting was really what I wanted to do. That was my priority. I really was all about acting. I think for music, I potentially had gotten a little burnt out. That's all I had done up to the point of acting. Acting was pressure to me, I think. And I think being able to kind of worry more about just myself for a while and not have to worry about, okay, we all have to be together. We all have to meet at this time. You know, we all have to schedule at the same time. We all have to pay the same stuff. That's, it's stressful. You know, obviously different stresses come when you're a solo person. You got, you have to be your own champion a majority of the time. And I mean, that, that is, and I'll touch on that later probably, but the one thing I will say, Edwin, is you have to have the most durability when you go into at least, in my opinion, the acting or the music or the entertainment industry because of the amount of rejection. Because I mean, there's such, it's an ocean of talent. There are a lot of very talented people out there around you everywhere. And there are people as hungry, if not hungrier than you are. And it's just a matter of the people that I guess are going to expose themselves the most with their talent, their content are the ones that are going to, you know, they have the higher percentage chance rate. So getting back on track, though, I went to the, the Mike Beatty Dallas Expo and feeling this excitement of acting, pushed, put my front foot forward with acting, but also said, you know, I play music. Together. And so with that, they said you actually can compete in as many events as you want. They would have things basically where you'd, you'd sing songs and they would all watch. You know what I mean? You'd perform monologues. You'd perform scenes. There would be dance competitions. And I did everything. And at the, at the middle of the weekend, they would call you back. Agents, managers would call you back. So I got called back by quite a few. And there were, there were some from uh, like Dallas. There were some from L.A. There were some from Milan. There were some from uh, like Tokyo, all over the place, London. And it was kind of, it, not kind of, it was extremely overwhelming. <clears throat> there was adrenaline flowing, major dopamine rush, because this is kind of stuff, you know, you grow up in a small town, you don't experience this stuff. This is what you've seen on TV your whole life. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, now you're getting your foot, what it feels like your foot into the door of something that's you never thought would be you. It's, it's euphoric. And I remember feeling euphoria a lot throughout this journey, even up to now. And I still feel it to this day sometimes, depending on what kind of things occur with me. There are times where I, I think all the time about what I'm telling you about right now, these memories and these times, my past and how the journey of what was then. And then, and just my brain and learning what back then, knowing what I know now compared to what I knew back then, you know? Incredible. So, yeah, I've got to stop you there because yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I, th yeah. I think what 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 stood out most for me, knowing you personally to some degree, and watching your career grow over this time, was it it seemed on the outside, seeing you on the stage at Little Theater, that you were performing in your destiny in those moments. I mean, from from the way you acted, the way you spoke, and the way you addressed the stage, it was clear, at least to all of us, that this kid's going to be on the West Coast or the East Coast doing something really cool. So did you really know back then, or was it a leap of faith? No, I never know. There's never a no. Like, you want to say, oh, I know, I know, but like, you're human being. I don't think anybody really truthfully knows. I don't think anybody can be a hundred percent confident. You can be 99% confident and that'll fluctuate. And you're, again, you're human. It's especially now during a pandemic, you know, everybody's facing a lot of the same struggles, no matter what career you have chosen. And obviously, you know, some people are being affected far harder than others. 
my industry was affected pretty damn hard. You know, it's, you can't be on a film set filming with masks on. You know what I'm saying? And you can, but with us, an actor, you know, unless the thing's about the pandemic, you know what I'm saying? We're getting, but you go, you get where I'm going. And so I, back to the point, I didn't know, but what I did feel was I felt confidence. I felt excitement. I felt something where I like, I knew, I, I knew that I had, you know, something that would show up that somebody would see, oh, that, that's something, you know what I mean? I would, that would get noticed at least. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of confidence in my ability yet. I didn't think I was, I thought I had talent as an actor, but I knew I was not good enough to be like, if I got cast in a film the next day, I don't think I would have probably been able to really hold it together. I mean, I don't really know. It's hard to say. Well, I, I think that's what now, most people are looking for though, Chase, yeah. is they want to get the, the how right. And, and I'll get to the why later. And, yeah. and you seem to do it in reverse that you didn't really care about the how you would figure that out, but you knew your why. Is that the biggest thing? Edwin, the biggest thing I remember is I wanted to get as many experiences as possible. I remember I wanted to like, I wanted to do as many plays as I could, do as many auditions as I could, do as many. I tried to do as many classes as I could. And they're like, no, you don't want to do a bunch of different acting teachers. That's confusing. You take one technique. And I was like, oh, and I did it anyway in the very beginning. I took two acting classes at the same time, but I'm still glad I did it because that was a great exposure to a lot of different techniques that I just remember that have stayed with me up to now, even though I've chosen a technique, so to speak, I've kind of grounded myself as an actor within a specific technique. You know, I mean, I think that everything along the way has stayed with me, especially early on like that. Like I remember a lot in New York, there was a lot of very vivid memories of growing and feeling rejection, rejection, getting second callbacks and then never hearing anything and then going out of my mind and having to train yourself to be like, you got to forget. And then training yourself to forget. And then your agent surprising you with a, an audition offer. You got an offer of a part or a callback or whatever. It's so crazy. You know, it's at the end of the day, you never know. It's more about how do I ground myself here and, and enjoy what I've chosen to do with my life, which is acting and music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so grounding resonates with me a little chase. Um, how uh, it's a, how question, how do you ground yourself so that you can battle the no? Is that through mentorship? Is it through faith? Is it through what that em empowers you before the experience or, or, or is it just baptism by fire? Uh, that's funny. I think it's, it's probably a little bit of both. You know, I, I think, it's definitely helpful to have, I heard you say mentorship, you know, and you, you meet as an actor, I can only speak of my experience as an actor, really. That's been a dominant form of what I've grown as from my, all, all through my twenties, I would say. Moved to New York right around 21. I turned 21 and then moved to New York. And then I moved to LA around 27, 28. I was almost 30, you know? So it's like my twenties, that's New York city. And as an actor, Music was a kind of a side gig I do every so often to try to make a little money and, and let everybody know, hey, I still play, kind of, you know what I mean? And so acting, going back to acting, I think it, you, it was extremely helpful seeing and getting to know an actors that have been there 20 years before you. And it was very also useful as I grew to see other actors coming in long after me, you know? And it's so to where you slowly start to become the mature actor, the, the vet, you, you eventually become the vet and they call you the vet, the new actors and they look up to you. And it's incredible how up to like now, I mean, I'm, I'm 35 now, what I call myself a vet, not really, not compared to like some of these badasses we have that I look up to so highly that I have, I have so far to go. But then, you know, I, I, I'm in class and I, I work with brand new students, people that are just getting here. You know, they're fresh out of college or something, or not even, they're fresh, something, some fresh out of high school from Arkansas, you know, and I'm just like, boy, like you were here. And, and I feel a form of like, I want to teach you. I want to guide you. You know, there's a, it, I become the mentor. And so I guess, I don't know, I'm circling around this and I guess I'm trying to share with you what's coming to me, you know, in the sense of, again, how I feel I've grown to get to where I am now. And even so to still say how far I still have to go. Oh well, yeah, so much more a, a, a perfect metaphor for life. You're a you're a mid level vet. <laughs> you, Early tier, maybe vet. Yeah, possibly. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and what's endearing though, Chase, is that you recognize your your journey and where you started and you see it in other people and 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 you want to maybe shrink the gap uh, that that these young people might have based on your experiences. And, uh, you know, that's leadership. That's the highest form of, of leadership. And I admire you for that because what you speak to a lot, um, um, I guess, recently, uh, or recently on this podcast discussion, what comes to mind is, is a word resilience, that you've developed a resilience that's founded in what we saw early on. It, it seems like that's your superpower uh, uh, armor that, that you wear confidently because you know your skill, you know your art, you've been told no, you know that no just means not right now, and you step forward anyway, uh, courageously and badassly. That, that speaks to a level of character that is hard to describe. Thank you very much. Wow. Okay. Thank you. So take us back to Dallas. I know I interrupted the story. Oh, no um, worries. Okay. Yeah, you were sure. about to launch. Well, we're about to, yeah, we're about to launch. I, again, I'm going to drop in here because mom was a very hardcore, consistent denominator here. If she hadn't been available really to like kind of give me a nudge, I, I knew what I wanted to do, but the way I was living my life was, you know, I wasn't, I don't want to say I was living it super safe because I was living it super safe. I would have come back home, finished college, you know, and done the smart move because I didn't do the overall smart move. I took the risk and I'll get to that right now. So I, one of the people I met at this expo, you know, of the many people I met was Suzanne Schachter of Suzelle Enterprises. And she was the first manager I ever had. And, you know, I, I, I had her for 13, 14 years up until about almost a year ago now, I guess, because the pandemic is throwing me off based on activity. But, um, you know, um, but but to get to her, she she was an she, old school New Yorker, act, thick accent. She was a lot. She reminded me of Joey's agent from Friends. If you've ever watched, in a way, in a way, kind of like Joey's agent from Friends. Not that like caricature. She doesn't smoke like that and all that, but had harsh accent and like the hair and the stuff everywhere in a New York office. That was her, because she was like you know, loved my mom, was like, mom's great. And she loved that I was in school. She was a mom. She was an older woman, mom, you know, I have three daughters. And she was like, you know, honey, this is what I want. This is what I want to offer you. You know, I, I think you're very talented, da, da, da. I love your mute, your voice. I think you can sing great. I love your talent, your talent, but you're green. You're green. I think you should come to New York when you're ready and you should take some acting classes. This is what she told me. And, you know, and, and mom was there hearing it too. And I was, we talked, you know, and, um, and again, this was, I was a junior in college here. All right. So it was like, you know, our plan, mom and I had talked, our plan was, you know, right now you're going to finish college. And then after college, if you want to move somewhere like that, I, I will help you if you finish college, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's a good deal. Like, fuck, I, I agree with that. Let's do that. I can, I can do that. And so that's kind of what we were thinking about. Right. And so she offered, say, Hey, you know, you should come to New York. And mom was like, you know, once he finishes college, whatever, you know, she's like, okay, yeah, of course, of course, she, you know, and she heard that. She's like, that's right. I, she agreed with that. My, my manager, she's like, finish college. But then she said, how about he comes for just the summer? We'll send him out a little bit. We'll get him some auditions. We'll test the waters and see how he likes it. And then he can decide after he graduates if he wants to move here. So I'm like, oh my God. And when mom was like, would you like to go to New York? You know, so we went together. We went together, 2006. We went together to New York, 2006. Uh, I think it was like June. Uh, it was the summer of like May or June of 2006. We stayed in a hotel right there on Broadway and something. And it was this old school hotel right there. And I remember going to the first audition I ever had. Anyways, from that point forward, I went to like that, I think the second or third week Maybe the first month I was there, mom stayed for about two weeks and then she had to go home. And then I had stayed in a hotel and then I had to get a job. I got a job at Planet Hollywood there in Times Square. And then I got an apartment. A friend of a friend let me crash on his floor and I paid him like $500 or something. He lived out in Queens, a really nice place, Sunnyside, Queens. And I lived and I stayed on an air mattress and I lived out of my suitcase, I remember, for the first like three, four months until... And I say three or four months because summer is starting to end and school's coming up. And I'm going to get to what happened with that because overall I stayed in New York. I did not go back. 
And that's where the risk took place. And so jumping ahead, I, I, I was there for the summer. I went to a certain thing called Breakthrough Studios where I met a bunch of agents, a panel of agents. And I did, you know, performed a scene and one of the agents scouted me and he called me out and, and contacted my manager. And this might've been a, maybe a, a month or two in to New York. Can't remember the exact timeline, but it was very early. And it was with Abrams Artists Agency in New York. And they also started freelancing. Freelancing means in the entertainment world is you're not signed with someone. They're not like, you're not with them for a contract for two years and you're good. They're going to send you out like boom, 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 boom. They're going to, they're going to test and see. It's like a kind of a casual thing. And if you like book something, they're like, okay, let's sign. You know what I'm saying? And then they're like, we want to get you to keep booking. So we were freelancing. And as soon as uh, Suzanne saw them, their interest in me, she signed with me. So this was all being offered to me very early on when I got there because I was getting these attention. I got like these callbacks I was, and these things I was doing. I got like, I booked this film with Frank Whaley. It was Freddie Prince Jr. This was like a few months, like in that summer I was there. And I got SAG eligible very quickly. And so they were all gotten very, everybody got very excited. I didn't understand what was going on. I, I, because I didn't know, I was learning. I was 21 years old. I didn't have an education of entertainment up to that point other than Scott Baronet. I don't know if you remember Scott at the theater. He was the director at the theater for a while. He, I asked him about how do you get an agent? How do you, what does that mean? And he didn't offer very good advice. You know, and so this was then me now learning and having to ask questions <clears throat> like, what does this mean? And because, you know, and so basically I started going out. I got on One Life to Live back then. And that was where I then signed with Abram, signed with Suzelle, and they started sending me out a bunch. And that's where things really took off. I, right before that, I, I remember writing a big long email to my mom because I knew I was like, you're never going to have this opportunity again. You cannot go home. You cannot leave and go home and go to college. And in my mind, I was like, I would be in hell if I had to go home and then sit in a, in a desk in school and think in my mind, what if I were there? What if that would be the pro, you know, that would be a huge regret. And I didn't want to have that. And so I said, you know what? Nope. I explained to my mother in a very long email and she replied back very lovingly. She's like, you know, I saw this coming. I know, I knew it was going to happen. And I was preparing myself for this. Your father and I really would love for you to finish school one day. We hope you will. And I told her, you know, I want to do it online. I want to do it online. And luckily, luckily, Edwin, they, ULM was developing a brand new online curriculum now. It was, I was one of the first ones I remember getting into their new online stuff, luckily. So <clears throat> I started doing online courses. It took me a long time, but I finished my degree. I finished my degree. So I have my bachelor's in business administration and marketing and business. business. Absolutely and, incredible. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and there you go. And so there it is. And from that point forward, it was just a series of just bookings over the years and growing act, acting classes, auditions, auditions, uh, you know, the world, the, the whirlwind that was then being an actor in New York and working, bartending, serving tables and 3 a till 3 a.m. Whatever. And that's what it was, you know, up until. And I, there are other points, other chapters, if you want, I don't know how much time we have left because I'm I know I'm just going and going about this. But. Yeah, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so I'll, I'll go as long as you. you okay, well, I mean, I'll finish, you know, I'll get to the point. I mean, up, up to there, you know, there was a series of many great guest stars and stuff over the many years that slowly built me a, a great resume. And I developed great experience and I started learning a lot. I learned a lot and I got better and better and better and better. And as well as being in class and just doing so much so many scenes in class, so many scene study scenes over and over and over, rehearsing, 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 diving into these characters over and over and over, you know, and it's like to a point where it becomes second nature, you know, it becomes second nature to where now, I mean, I haven't been in class in over a year because of the pandemic, number one, but number two, not long before this, I was working on Young and the Restless, jumping way ahead, but, you know, so here I'm in LA and so, I mean, I have, I, but now I don't think I can step on a set. And now, you know, like I told you in the beginning of my career, I was like, I don't think I could get it on a film and be okay. I would have probably fallen apart. I wouldn't have known really what to do. But now it's just, it's just taking, it's just walking. Just, just stepping on set. Just know my mind. 
when, when, when did you find confidence in your identity? And, and when I say identity, I mean, you know, maybe for a long time, us in those formative years uh, as men in the, in the teens and in twenties, our identity seems to be outside of us. Uh, it is defined by, you know, our circle of influence, the, our possessions, the job title, et cetera. When did you realize and become self-aware that your identity was as, as an artist, as an actor? You know, I remember many, because I think you discover, you change and you grow. So I feel like something where I grew a lot of, and discovered myself as a man, as, as an identity at 26 happened again at 33 or something. You get what I'm saying? But going back, you know, thinking back, I feel like really understanding and maybe establishing a sense of confidence in who I was started I guess when I was, I had, I had been in, I had been in New York long enough. I, I, I don't, it's tough to tell. I know. Cause it's something that you gain over time. I'd said, I'd done enough classes. I had done enough auditions at the point where people were approaching me and responding to me in a way that showed me they respected me, I guess. You know what I mean? I don't know. And, and I, and I think it took enough times of that. And that was like, okay. So then I was like, I should start having more respect for myself. You know what I mean? And then that's how I think when, okay, as a man and identifying yourself, you know, I, I, I should have more respect for myself. And you start approaching things differently, having more confidence, et cetera, you know? And I think we keep finding those, our identity as we grow older. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and I like, uh, it, it seems to me that there's either a, a, an awareness or an epiphany that allows you to see that. Whereas some of us just wear blinders and go throughout life, always looking beyond the blinder, thinking, well, it's going to be like a destination at which we arrive to one day. I'll, I'll figure it out later. And, and what I, what I appreciate and hear from, from your story is that, that you saw the signals, you connected the dots that built the confidence and that did nothing but energize a trajectory of growth and transformation. Is that fair? It's definitely fair. I don't, I definitely, however, don't want to be like, Hey, look at me. I'm some almighty beautiful person that has no, nothing wrong because let me tell you, <laughs> it is, it, it, it's, it's easy to show the world that you are great. I'm like 99% of the time, hundred percent of the time. But when you're, when you're in your own body, you know, we all know, we, we all go through moments of depression. We all go through moments of sadness, just as much as we have our highs, we have our lows. And I, I'll tell you, I have many lows as well, just like everybody else. And I have to remind myself and just hang on. It's just like hanging on, right? And I tell myself, when has it not worked out? When has it not worked out? You know, and it, it always has somehow, surprisingly. And I think about that. I'm like, it's almost a miracle, especially with what I've chosen, you know, because an actor is out of work way more than he's, he has work. And it's, it's a miracle that I've been able, I guess, I, I feel, to hang on. And I think the people on the other side aren't going to be like, you know, it doesn't look like that to me. You know what I'm saying? But to me, I'm like, little do you know, I'm in your, I'm in your boat too. You know what I'm saying? And I have to stay strong. So you got to remember like, you're at work, what you've discovered, your confidence as you've established yourself. This is what you've chosen to do. This is your profession. You know what I'm saying? And uh-huh. if you have confidence in yourself and you're, what you're cho- you've chosen to do, it's hard to be like, it's hard to say, you know, I'm going to do something else in my life because that's not going to happen. I'm not going to do something else. So yeah, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, it to- totally makes sense. And I guess, um, I guess it brings, brings to mind self-care. How, how have you developed a practice of taking care of yourself holistically? Because you know what? Your fans only see one side of you. Yeah. Um, okay. So best uh, yeah, I hear, I hear it's funny. You're saying this. Um, the pandemic has, unfortunately, it makes it extremely challenging um, to, because, you know, it's hard, you can't get outside and do many things. You know, when you do, you can't get around a lot of people, you know, and if you do, you got to have masks. It's, it's, it's just, it's a risk. And a lot of times it's an unnecessary one, you know? So a lot of times we're inside. I'm inside a lot during this time. I was inside a lot this past year, you know, and rarely the one of the few things that I got to partake in that I said helped me stay sane was kickboxing, Muay Thai. 
you know, uh, and I'm adding on jujitsu as well a little more. And so that's something at least that provides physical activity, helps your mind. But then beyond that, you know, when you're staying indoors, try not to watch too much TV, try not to play too many games, you know, that's really hard, you know, uh, playing music, at least I've had to build my own little studio and I've been recording my own stuff now, you know, practicing all my stuff. And I've had to change the way I do my concerts. Now I do virtual concerts, you know, and I've had to figure out how do I produce a sound quality that sounds as good as it does live for people watching on their phone. It's hard. And so, I don't know, I, I got, I, I'm, I, I'm trying to explain based on all the things I'm trying to keep grounded here within these things. Cause I know people are probably looking for what I am doing as well right now. Right. Because again, I, I feel that everybody has, has struggled, you know, especially recently. And so keeping up with your physical fitness is extremely important. So that's why the kickboxing to me is vital. If I didn't have that, uh, you know, it would be very tough, but that, and at least trying to make sure that you're like, I'm a very good organizer. I keep lists. I have reminders that pop up every day. I have a, a structure I have in place because I know my mind and my body. And I know that I can easily get distracted with things. I'm an ADHD kid. You know, that's what I am. And I've had to form things to be like tunnel visioned when I need them to be right. I've learned how to laser vision stuff. And that's almost become a form of superpower to where if, as long as I make certain lists and have them come up at the right times, I know how to keep being proactive, productive, and also not being overly worked and allowing myself entertainment, allowing myself certain therapeutic sessions. You know, speaking of actually having actual therapy sessions, I would highly recommend that as well to everyone. I found therapy to be very helpful for my mind and at least being able to talk to somebody about the grudges you have against the world. You know, I feel like you get things that develop, you get you develop as a human again, because I never want to, to come across <clears throat> and saying, you know, look at all these things I've accomplished, you know, <clears throat> by saying, you know, I, I still am a human being that still feels this anger or bitterness, but also happiness and excitement, you know, Hopefully that all makes sense. You know? I, I, absolutely, man. And and I, I'm I'm curious. I know we as fans can put an identity on you and and really set an expectation for you. So you being in the position that you're in, I place the expectation on you. You're you're on a, a on a on a growth curve of people paying attention to you and expecting certain things. Tell me how you transformed or adapted to an environment that may not be aligned with your core because the character that you act in may not be who you are, but we're expecting something different than we see. How did that all work you out know, for you? You've used, you, you've got me thinking about how something I've kind of been frustratingly venting about to Taylor and, and, and that I'm trying to come around to, to trying to embrace more is this new pop sensational, like TikTok, quickie, sketch, funny, uh, quick thing. You know, that I am, I feel like the old man shaking his fist at the cloud because it's not, I can't do anything about it. Like, I need to like get over it. And I think it's, I'm having difficulty, especially now in the pandemic, because that is the one thing everybody can do is get on their damn phone and do whatever they want. And I even did it. Me and Taylor also did that too. We did certain little sketch videos, you know, we got paid to do them, not a lot of money, but it was something. But at the end of the day, I think it's not what I guess originally I set out to be doing and what I was doing before, you know, I've, I, but I need to adapt. And it's, it's what you said earlier about how there's an expectation. <clears throat> People expect me and they look at something and they're like, expect something. So now when I have to embrace and adapt to this, I don't, it's, 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 I'm trying to find the joy there and there are joyous things I've found and I'm, I'm still searching for it. And I'm, and I'm, I think I'm being successful in it there. I'm just going to keep exploring it. But at the end of the day, I don't want people to think that, you know, oh, why he, he's not enjoying himself. You know, I want them to be like, that's authentic as chase. That's where I guess I'm trying to go with this. They want, I want them to look at me and be like, when I'm playing my music, this is the authentic chase. Even if I want to be goofy, chase is goofy. If I'm going to be serious, Chase can be serious too, right? At the end of the day, if I'm going to uh, do certain things that I have to adapt to my career and I'm required to do, I have to make sure I find a way to do them authentically. 
that was very long winded, but I was trying to find a way to say what it was, you know, did that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. And, and I I guess I'm thinking, man, that's a lot of pressure, Chase. Yeah, that's, That's what I was saying. It's a lot of pressure. That's what you made me think about. And it's, that's what adds to all the stress and everything. And again, I'm not trying to vent. I'm just trying to say, I don't want to come across as someone of a cop because I feel I am proud of accomplishments and people are like, look what you've done. You come, cause you know, you opened up with a lot of great things to say and I'm very so happy to hear them and it, and it makes me feel great. And I want to thank you, but I also want to share that, you know, it's, it requires a lot of very uh, focus. And like you said, uh, just the same as everybody else, I got to hang on to, you know what I mean? That's, I guess what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to share the thoughts I have, it's a lot of pressure, you know, being in a certain spotlight, even though I'm in a small spotlight right now, and this spotlight will grow as I grow up in my career as a person, everything, it's going to grow too. And it's going to, and it's going to be tough. So it's just, um, I think just being able to, again, as I was saying, adapt and learning how to find the joy and what I'm doing, because there is joy there. I just got to figure I can find it for myself. I got to find my niche, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, the world it's forming. Yeah, because the world can get really invasive into into you just being you and and that being okay. I mean, otherwise, we wouldn't have any need for People Magazine or TMZ or everybody trying to get into Chase's business to find out what who you are authentically. I think people want to know that more than they want to know your character role. and and that can get really se- severe. So how do you train for that? Is it is it at this mid vet level where you're in the spotlight and you're getting some of it? But man, that seems to be exponentially worse down the road. How do you defend, prepare, and take care of yourself during this time? I mean, again, I'm going to go back to the the structure thing. I think structure is vital for anyone to maintain any form of sanity. If you're going to try to multitask for me i I multitask my career i have a music career and i have an acting career i connect them i try to i I fuel them into each other my music career is being fueled by acting dominantly but right now i am surviving off the music but that's because i allowed that to fuel into the music and so the acting fuel into music and i guess you have to have again i try to structure what music am i going to do this week what songs am i going to work on how long am I going to do that? Am I, what am I going to do with the with public this week? What posts am I going to post on Instagram? What am I going to post on Twitter? What am I going to put on my Patreon? You know, Patreon is a repeat patrons, you know, they can subscribe and you get, that's for exclusive content. So I'm like, I don't want to post the same stuff on Patreon that I'm posting on Instagram. So you got to figure out, and I have different things popping off at different hours, different days. And it's basically telling me, you know, hey, make sure you make another post about whatever. Like, so I have a live rehearsal coming up next week on Tuesday. These are all things that are still fueling me as an artist. Cause I'm still rehearsing musically. I'm doing things physically. And I'm on top of that. I'm serving what is the requirement that is especially now in 2021, which is social media and this world that, cause you know, a lot of, a lot of people are looking. So that is all again, back to pressure. And so keeping my mind healthy, I, I have to have that structure. If I don't have that structure, I'd, lo- I'd lose control, you know? And so I think it's just important to have an organized system for yourself. You got to find that. That is what gives you peace of mind to me. I then can relax. It allows me to relax. As long as I've done what it's here, okay, I'm good. I don't need to worry about, oh, what if I, did I miss something? Am I procrastinating this? Did I miss? No, no, no. Everything is organized and you've thought it out and it's the plan. And even if I have to adapt to go off the plan, which happens every day, it's still it's structure. And so that's what I'm trying to say. Structure, I think that's the key for at least me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so Chase, your favorite character to date that you have played and, and why is it, is it because the character was aligned closely to the persona, the person of Chase, or was there a different reason? Well, before the originals, I always said Billy Winslow and Boardwalk Empire. I just really loved working on that show. I had so much fun and it was it was a long process. And it was probably one of the most times I got to act the most and, and up to that point of my guest star work. I remember feeling back then like I always got to go do guest star roles and I really questioned my validity as an actor, actor. Like it's people viewing me as a good actor. I felt like, sure, I'm there and 
sure, I, I mean, I might, you know, look okay in this part or something, and I fill the part, like, you believe me, but I want to be a, I want to be somebody that's like, who, who is that? Like, that's what I want to, I want to be that kind of actor. And so I remember feeling that and saying that in class and focusing that in class for the longest time. So up to now, I mean, basically, uh, you know, I guess just focusing and, and just <laughs> keeping, I guess, with uh, uh, the point of where just, just knowing how to put one foot in front of the other, I guess, is the best way I can break it down. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, circle me back around. Yeah, yeah. If that was your favorite uh, character starting off with, um, did the originals add? But then the, so then circling back around, Billy Winslow up until, and I want to say Oliver from the originals for two reasons mostly. One, I, I love playing the bad guy. He was the bad guy for the longest time. Uh, and so I got to really dive into the acting on this role. Billy Winslow was the first time on Borg Empire. And then this was the next time I was like, great, I got to really kind of explore and come to set with like choices I've made. I got to talk to the director like, hey, I've decided all this stuff, you know? And they're like, they respected that. And I was like, it built me up. It made me feel like I respected it. It was very encouraging for me, you know? And, that, and I, that's why I think that role was my, one of my favorites next is it really gave me a lot of confidence, you know? And, and then I, after that, I was like, okay, I have confidence. I can step into the next part, step into the next part. Let's go, let's go momentum so to speak right and so the second reason is obviously it allowed me to then become completely self-sustainable beyond a third-party job like like waiting tables or bartending because it wasn't until i had been in la and i had started working on the originals that i no longer had to work a second job i could then was a self-sustaining actor and so up and even up to now you know i've then, you know, now I've built a machine, so to speak, with music that allows me to hopefully keep self-sustaining. But it, it all came from this role. So it's my favorite. Amazing. <laughs> What's, you know, provided my lifeline. So Amazing. Uh, I love that story, Chase. Um, and I'm curious, how do you how do you get into character? And that maybe, maybe this is from all the training that you've done, but you played a werewolf in, in the originals. Um, yeah. I know a, a lot of actors do a lot of studying on, on, on their part to play the role convincingly. How do you do that with a werewolf character? I mean, I don't think, okay. So in the fact of involving a wolf in any, any form or fashion, I definitely would. I definitely watched wolves a bit. I was already familiar with wolves, but naturally I watched them again. I did watch uh, quite a few discovery different things just to kind of observe and see how do they walk you know, and how do they stalk? And how do, they, how do they look on their face? How do their eyes look? How do they look at you? How do they gaze at you? You know, and then I was like, okay, so that's a wolf, you know, and how do I add a human being to that? Because I'm a, obviously not a wolf, but how do I bring that into potentially who he is? Then how do I bring all the character, all those character qualities of a person, you know, who, who is his justifications and things, his beliefs, you know, how vindicated he is and, and his beliefs to the point of he was, he basically was a terrorist. You know what I mean? Like he bombed his own people to make it look like something else so that they would get gather up and go to war with this other faction. You know what I mean? That's insane. So to speak. but he was justified. You'd have, I had to find that. I had to find how to, how do you justify those things? It's like, how do you play Adolf Hitler? <laughs> you got to find something there. So, you know, and it's like, you know, it's, that's tough. You know, this guy's not as tough as that, but you get what I'm saying. And so for, to prepare for that, doing that. And then I, I had, uh, fortunately up to this point had a lot, like you had already said, I had a lot of foundation of acting technique in rehearsals. I had done it millions of times before I'd already done it. And so this is the same thing. I learned my lines and I could just walk on set, but I'm in literally in my hotel room though, alone. And I've had my lines recorded and I'll, I'll have basically where I'll say the other person's lines. This is when you're on set and you don't know anybody yet. And you're too nervous to ask somebody to rehearse with you right away. So I'm in my hotel room and I have, you know, my own voice saying the lines and I'm there rehearsing and I'm trying to make choices and stuff. And I'm trying to find ways that I feel like this is grounded and this is authentic and I'll bring that to set. And then on set, I'll then be able to be adapt the director. She's like, you know, Hey, you know, I want, cause there was, I remember a specific scene I did where I had a lot of really great choices and there's a female director and we talked back and forth a lot and we had great fun things where we tried so many different things. So then being able to adapt and change your choices, 
and not be stuck on your choices. That's where, again, I think having just experience and doing a lot of scenes, you know, and, you know, that's at least in the actor world. So that's, that's how I prepare, you know, just that's what acting class is there for. It's just like being any athlete at when it's like, you know, going to the gym, you know, that's what class is good for. At the end of the day, when you, you, it's like riding a bike, you know, I'm very ready to get back to some form of class soon when we're able to, but I, I could, I would be okay. I could stretch and get my stuff ready and go act and be okay. But I'm ready to like get into the gym as an actor. You get what I'm saying? So. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, Chase, uh, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I want to be respectful of your time. If Thank people you. want to follow your your continued story that has really only just begun, what's the best way for listeners to follow you? So it's my social media is pretty much the same across the board. Uh, it's just at Chase R. Coleman. So if you're on Instagram, it's at, at Chase R. Coleman. That's where that's where probably my my dominant my dominant uh, uh that's where I am mostly is there. And then, then probably Facebook. I'm over there a lot too. Facebook, I have a Facebook fan page. Again, it's at Chase R. Coleman or slash Chase R. Coleman. Uh, I do have a Twitter. I post every so often. I do have a Patreon, again, Chase R. Coleman. So, and YouTube, I think is the same. So again, it's all Chase R. Coleman. My website, you can Google me and you can find that. Everything is connected. So as long as you find one, everything, you can probably find the rest. But Chase R. Coleman, you Google that, you'll probably find it. Fabulous. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Thank so you. Chase... What can people expect um, from Chase Coleman, the person in 2021 and beyond? Oh man, what can people expect here? I don't know what they can expect, but I can tell you what I hope, I hope that they will expect. And I hope that I can be someone that has grown so much over this past year and a half to where they're like, wow, you are even better of a human being than I thought you were. I hope to at least arrive in a place like that you know, just grow enough to be a, an even better man, I guess is what I want to leave with. Love that. Um, that, that, that just screams legacy of leadership uh, to me, Chase. And I, that's my love language. So thank you for saying that. Uh, for the listening audience, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I would love for you to leave me and or Chase a comment in a review to let us know what your big takeaways were. But Chase, this has been incredible. I'm so appreciative and thankful for the the time you invested in me today. I, I appreciate it very much, my friend. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Evan. I will talk to you soon.